They did not have the New Testament Bible in the days of Paul. At the beginning of the time when Jesus was resurrected into heaven, they had the Old Testament scriptures, but they didn't have the New Testament Bible. In 2 Timothy 4.13, Paul writes a letter to Timothy. And he says, The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee and the books, but especially the parchments. Paul wanted to write to the New Testament church. He wanted to write an epistle, a letter to the church. What he would do is he would write to the church and tell the church, when you've read this, see that the church at, of the, uh, at Laodicea reads it and get the scriptures, get the parchments from them that I've written to them and you read them. These turned out to be used by God as the epistles in the New Testament Bible, which we have today. After Jesus arose, after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, Jesus set up the New Testament church from heaven. After he arose, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8, Wherefore he, Jesus, saith, when he ascended up on high, when he arose into heaven after the crucifixion, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Verse 11. He's going to tell what those gifts were that he gave to men. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. From heaven, Jesus gave the ministries to the church. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. He did not give pope, cardinal, archbishop, vicar. None of those are the names of the ministers of the New Testament Bible. Further, we have this in the epistles written by Paul to the church. In almost each one of the epistles, Paul identified himself as an apostle. An apostle by the will of God an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Now, Paul was absolutely no different than I am today, than you are if you're called to the ministry. 
Paul never saw Jesus when he walked on the earth. Paul tells about Jesus speaking to him from heaven. Jesus spoke to Paul from heaven and put him into the ministry, just like he did with us, who are ministers. The calling of God. Let's look at Acts 26, because this is a more extensive description and report that Paul gives in Acts 26 than it is in Acts 9, where he tells about being called by Jesus. Acts 26, he's talking to King Agrippa. He's at the judgment seat, and King Agrippa is going to judge Paul for the things the Jews had brought against him. Paul tells about what happened on the road to Damascus, and he tells about the calling of God to be a minister, the calling of Jesus from heaven. Acts chapter 26, verse 2, Paul says, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews, especially because I know thee to be expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews, wherefore I beseech thee to hear me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify that after the most straightest set of our religion, I lived a Pharisee, and now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise our twelve tribes, instantly serving God day and night, hope to come. For which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? Verse 9, I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them off in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. 
And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee. It's not just being a minister of what you have seen, but of the things that you're going to see in the future from God. He says, Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom I now send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. And that is the report of the call of God, the call of Jesus, for Paul to be an apostle. Some churches teach that Paul was the last apostle. That is not true. Paul was the first of the New Testament apostles whom Jesus called from heaven and set up in the New Testament church. In Acts chapter 1, after Jesus ascended into heaven, Peter tells the people who were assembled, the church who was assembled, that they had to replace Judas as the twelfth apostle that they had to select someone to take the place of Judas. And Peter told them the requirements for the person that would replace Judas as the twelfth apostle. This is in Acts chapter 1. The first requirement set by Peter is this person who replaced Judas had to be someone who had seen Jesus and had been with the other 11 apostles when they walked on the earth. So Paul says to them, starting at verse 21 of Acts chapter 1, Wherefore of these men, which have companied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John unto that same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. And they appointed two men, Joseph, called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, knowest the hearts of all men. Show whether of these two thou hast chosen. Has God chosen Joseph or Matthias? to be the twelfth apostle, and replace Judas. And they prayed, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show which of these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship, from which Judas, by transgression, fell, that he might go to his own place. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot 
fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. So Matthias became the twelfth apostle. Matthias was the apostle who replaced Judas. Where does that leave Paul? For those churches where they teach that Paul was the last apostle, they're wrong. Matthias was the twelfth apostle, but Paul was the first of those New Testament apostles appointed by Jesus from heaven, as told in Ephesians chapter 4. Look again at Ephesians chapter 4. Look at verses 11 and 12. Verse 11, And he, Jesus, gave some apostles. From heaven he gave to the New Testament church some apostles, not one apostle, some apostles, and some prophets. Those same churches that teach that Paul was the last apostle often teach there are no prophets today, and they teach incorrectly. And Jesus gave to the New Testament church some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Those churches usually teach there are evangelists, pastors and teachers today in the New Testament church, but no apostles or prophets. You've probably heard that taught. That's not true. He, Jesus, gave to the New Testament church some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Everyone who believes in Jesus is given the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit lives in each believer. We have at least three scriptures telling us that. 1 Corinthians 3 has a scripture in it. 1 Corinthians 6 and 2 Corinthians 13. Jesus lives in the believer. Hebrews chapter 1 also talks about this. In the days of the Old Testament, the people didn't have the Holy Spirit. The prophets had the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. So when they wanted to know something, when they wanted to know the will of God, they went to the prophet. But in the New Testament, everyone has the Holy Spirit. So are there prophets today? Well, yes, there are, because you will see in Acts chapter 11 and chapter 21, there is a prophet named Agabus, and it tells about the work that Agabus did in the New Testament church. Let's look at Acts chapter 11. Let's start reading at verse 25. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus to seek Paul, Saul, who is also Paul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch, And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch. 
And there stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there should be great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Verse 27, Acts chapter 11. The New Testament church. Paul and Barnabas have been teaching the New Testament church for a year, and many are saved. Verse 27, And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch. These show that there are prophets in the New Testament church. They are teaching wrongly when they say there are no more apostles or prophets in the New Testament church because Ephesians 4 shows us that after Jesus arose, he gave to the New Testament church some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers, multiple ones, some, not just one, for the work of the ministry, for the perfecting of the saints, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's the New Testament church set up by Jesus. No popes, no archbishops, no cardinals, no vicars, no ministers of music, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for the perfecting the saints for the work of the ministry. These denominations broke off from the truth and set up their own churches and taught their own doctrines which are contrary to the doctrines of the New Testament Bible. These are Antichrist churches. Another example of Agabus the prophet is in Acts 21. In Acts 21, we are shown two separate examples of prophesying and prophets. The first example doesn't say that these four daughters of Philip were prophets, but it says he had four daughters which did prophesy. Verse 8, And the next day that we that were of Paul's company departed, and came unto Caesarea, and we entered into the house of Philip the Evangelist, which was one of the seven, and abode with him. And the same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle, and bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle, and shall deliver him unto the hands of the Gentiles. So that prophet came from Jerusalem and prophesied concerning Paul the Apostle. On his trips, Paul frequently took a prophet named Silas with him. 
Acts chapter 13, verse 1. And now there were in the church that was at Antioch, the New Testament church, certain prophets and teachers, such as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Manaen, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. Now Saul was not a prophet. Saul was an apostle teacher. But there were prophets in the New Testament church spoken of in the book of Acts. And they traveled, one of them in particular, traveled with the apostle Paul. Acts fifteen thirty two and Judas and Silas, being prophets also themselves, exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed them. Verse 40, And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. We see that Silas, a prophet, traveled with Paul. It is absolutely ridiculous for the churches today to teach their people, for the ministers to teach their people that the, Paul was the last apostle. When we see clearly that Matthias replaced Judas and was the twelfth apostle. Therefore, Paul fits in with Ephesians chapter 4. Paul was one of these New Testament apostles given by Jesus from heaven. And it's ridiculous to say there are no prophets today when we have examples in the New Testament Bible of the New Testament church where prophets came from different cities and spoke to the church. The New Testament church today is set up so contrary to that which Paul taught in 1 Corinthians 14. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 14. By the inspiration of God, Paul told them exactly how to set up the New Testament church, and it's recorded for us in the New Testament Bible, so we would know how to set up the New Testament church and what to do when we came together in the church. I have never seen a church set up like this, like Paul said to do. I have seen Sunday school classes which were similar to what Paul said to do. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26. How is it then, brethren, when ye are come together? Every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. In other words, they were to come together and Whichever one in the group that had the word from God was permitted to speak that word. How is it then, brethren, when you come together? Every one of you hath a psalm, which could also be a prayer. It could be something sung or it could be a prayer. We know that because in the book of Psalms it says the prayers of David have ended. How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. 
That's not what they do today in churches. I've never seen this done in the 11 o'clock service of a church. I've never seen it done in the main service of a church. I've seen something similar to it done in Bible classes. What they did is fix it so that only approved men could speak and they could control the church. I've often thought when I have been sitting in 11 o'clock service at church, if Jesus Christ himself was sitting here today, they, he could not speak to the church because only the men approved by the men on the platform are permitted to speak. That's not what it was supposed to be. They changed it. One time I had a dream about this. I went into this very large church building. It had a balcony, and all the seats on the lower floor were already taken. I went into the balcony, and there was one seat that was empty, and I sat down in that seat to listen to the people who spoke. A woman turned around and said to me, You can't see much from that seat because there's a pillar in front of it. You can't see much from that seat. And I said, oh, it doesn't matter. There's never much to see at these places anyway. Sadly, that's true. Because they have set up the church by their own wisdom and kept everybody, the only ones that are allowed to speak are the ones they appoint, which means the Holy Spirit is not free to speak. I attended Word of Faith in the uh, Farmer's Branch, Texas, north of Dallas. Robert Tilton was the pastor at the time I was there. Our Sunday school teacher always said, does anyone have a word from the Lord? And we were permitted to share it at the Sunday school. Not once did I ever hear Bob Tilton say, does anyone have a word from the Lord at the 11 o'clock service? The Holy Spirit was restricted at that service from speaking except through the ones that were on the platform and approved by the people that ran that church group. That's not what's supposed to happen in the church. We'll read once again verse 26 where Paul tells what is supposed to happen. How is it then, brethren, when ye come together, every one of you, hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or at the most by three, and let that be by course, and let one interpret. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church, and let him speak to himself and to God. Verse 29, Let the prophets speak. Two or three, and let the other judge, and if anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let the first hold his peace. For ye may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn, and that all may be comforted. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. The spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. 
They're not going to speak out of order. I attended a little non-denominational church once in Clovis, New Mexico. I was looking for a church to attend. It was a Sunday school class, and the pastor was teaching the class. And as he was teaching, this one woman jumped up and began to shout, Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord! She ran all around the church group, the congregation, screaming and shouting and waving her hands. The people just hollered and laughed, and the pastor laughed, and I was horrified. She should have been stopped. She should have never been allowed to do that. That was not the Spirit of God. That was not the Holy Spirit. Yet they thought it was the Holy Spirit. So they allowed this woman to interrupt the church gathering. They allowed her to take over and stop the pastor from teaching. Paul wouldn't have allowed that. Verse 34, Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak. He couldn't have been talking about the four daughters of the evangelist, Philip, because they did prophesy, and prophecy is for the church. Paul was speaking of something else here, and I think I know what it was. He says, that it is not permitted for them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home. For it is a shame for women to speak in the church. When I found out from God that I was going to be a minister, I said, what about this scripture in First Corinthians 14, where the women could not speak? God said to me by his spirit, look at what they were doing. When I read this scripture, I saw they were interrupting the church service by asking questions. Therefore, Paul says, if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home. Women love to take over and ask questions and draw attention to themselves. And it is a shame. And this woman was ashamed. It was a shame for her to be running around the church saying, praise God, praise God, praise God. And all these people in that church building, including the pastor, thought it was the Holy Spirit. I said to God when I left there, this can't be the Holy Spirit. And I was reminded of a scripture in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 40. Let all things be done decently and in order. So if there is a prophet in the congregation, unless the pastor makes a place for that prophet to speak, that prophet won't speak. I was given many words of knowledge in the years that I attended Bible classes. I would be given all types of words of knowledge for the church. And this teacher would say, does anyone have a word from the Lord? And I would present the word of knowledge that I was given for the church. It was decent. It was in order. But I would have never taken over in the time he was teaching to present a word of knowledge. I wouldn't have done it. Now, the interesting thing is, in all the years I attended church services, the main church service, where the pastor never gave any opportunity for a word from God to be spoken by anyone in the congregation. 
I never received a word from God. Because God is not going to give me a word to speak to the church when I have to be out of order. If that pastor had said, does anyone have a word from the Lord, I would have raised my hand, and when I was acknowledged, I would have given the word from God. But I never heard a pastor do that any time in any church that I ever attended. I heard it only in the Sunday school class. I wouldn't take over and do that. But I would do it decently and in order when I was invited to do it. So you see, it is set up to keep everyone from speaking except the people on the platform, the approved people. And this is not what the church was supposed to be. In verse 37, the Apostle Paul says, If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. Well, I certainly acknowledge that. These things Paul wrote to us are the commandment of the Lord for the gathering of the New Testament church today. Paul said, But if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues. Forbid not to speak with tongues. Don't forbid tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. So we have everything we need for the New Testament church in the New Testament Bible, but people ignored what was said in the Bible and set up their own church groups, their own denominations, dividing the body of Christ by their denominations. And it's grievous. But that's what happened. In the last days, God will judge it all. He will judge those that ignored the scriptures and he will judge those that obeyed the scriptures. When Jesus returns and Seth takes the church into heaven, everyone will be judged. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that we will receive that which we have done, whether it be good or bad. I'm quoting from Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. Paul says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. That is the way the New Testament church is supposed to be set up. And the ministers in the New Testament church are some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. There are no other ministers except for elders and bishops who are supposed to be able to speak the word of God. And the ones who do speak the word of God, we're told to honor them even more. 
Thank you for allowing me to speak this to you today.